Jazz Cult. Like a bad girl should. Uh, some dude was like, I, I just get tattoos randomly that I think are fun. And I saw a guy that had a shirt that said ACAB and all cats are beautiful with a picture of a cat. So I got a tattoo on my chest, and now people are mad at me because it actually means all cops are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes that's the way the creek crumbles. I mean, it seems it, to me it seems too ridiculous for that to be real, but who knows? I mean, it takes all kinds, right? The world's a, ri- the, a rich tapestry of different people. <laughs> yeah, you also have to remember, like, the average IQ is, what, like, what, 85? And then if that's average, roughly uh, half the population is below that. <laughs> Pretty wild. It's, uh, to me, it's like, I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, your tattoos need to be so serious. And you really, you know, you can get tattoos for whatever. But for me, like, seeing the slogan on a T-shirt and getting a tattoo... Like that's a little bit too far, I think. I don't know. There's a part of me that's that that that, that feels like if you're gonna permanently engrave something onto your body, or at least semi permanently, you know, it's hard to get re- to get it removed. Well, I mean, uh, uh, nothing's permanent. Everything's temporary. Well, I mean, like in this life. Um, I mean, but, yeah, probably don't like get it tattooed on your forehead if it's something like crazy. But you know, I just like you know, it should mean a little something to you. It shouldn't be just like you know what I. I want a picture of a frog on my asshole. Here's where the separation is for me. If you're someone who has a lot of tattoos or, or you are a tattoo artist or you're around tattoo artists and you're part of like that's tattoo That's a little bit culture, different though. Hell yeah, tattoo whoever you want because that's like part of your lifestyle. If you're just some random person who's going to have like one or two tattoos and you just get some random shit, that's a little bit different. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm 18. I'm going to get my first tattoo. I don't know what I'm going to get. I'm just going to pick something out of a book. Yeah, that's a little bit whack. I was thinking more like if you got a lot of tattoos already, yeah, you fucking yeah, that's like, yeah, again, like, you Perspective, but yeah. that's a little bit different. Yeah, well, my perspective is different because, like, I know people with tons of tattoos. So my assumption was just like, yeah, he gets lots of tattoos, weird shit. But I don't know if still like seeing a t shirt. And like getting a tattoo about it just immediately seems kind of weird. That's why I don't really buy it. Uh, that my only tattoo is uh, the Nike swoosh and it says "Just Do It" underneath it. Dun, 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 dun. Keep it G'd up. So speaking of uh, you know the rich tapestry that the world weaves, um, are you familiar with Sonic Fox at all? Mm, sounds familiar, but maybe not. So he's like the king of um, fighting game tournaments. He's like the best oh, fighting game guy. Yeah, okay, I know. Like he like rules that yeah. Mortal Kombat and shit. He's also like non or uh, I keep saying he. I apologize. Uh, they they're also nine non-binary and uh, furry and all that sort of shit. You know, like, you know, you know, kid, mm-hmm. I don't want to say kid or internet stuff, but you know, modern stuff, right? <laughs> I got kids today. I get you. Yeah, 
I'm an old man. I can do it. Right. But um, uh, so I follow him on Twitter because like he's dope. So keep saying, hey, he, I'm sorry, I'm drunk. They, I follow them on Twitter because <laughs> even drunk, I'd use the proper pronouns. Sorry, bastard. Well, it's uh, kind of recently that they've come out as non-binary as well, so it's maybe locked in my brain. But um, no, you're just a terrible person. You should feel awful. Yeah, I follow them on Twitter, and they're really cool and interesting. I love Mortal Combat, and they're the best in Mortal Combat. So blah blah. blah. But they recently started a uh, not safe for work adult Twitter. That I decided to also follow because I was like, you know what? I want to. I want to see what this furry lifestyle is all about. I want to see some like sexy furry stuff. Nope. And uh, oh no, I'm still following them. It's interesting. Uh, I mean, it's just a, what a rich tapestry the world weaves. I'm not like <laughs> into it or anything, but I'm like, hmm, I kind of get it. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I've seen enough of it. Like it's not furry culture is not like anything new, really. No, it's been around since as long as I've been on the internet, pretty yeah. much. Well, so, I remember I like, when, uh, when I'm getting back in touch with it, I guess. It's been enjoyable so far. Uh, doesn't seem that different than anything anybody else is into, to be honest. It just, you know, transposed through anthropomorphic animals. But still, I mean, you just want big dicks, big booties and stuff. I get it. Nah, man, it's fucking hot in those suits. Sweaty. So I'm well, talking about you fucking fans and shit. I don't need it. I mean, they've been, much sharing, work involved. They've been sharing mostly art, so that's the idealized version of it, right? Where you're not super sweaty because you actually get to be an animal, so you just you got to brush out your winter coat. And you're good to go. I don't know. I have a dog, and, and you know, it doesn't seem that that pleasant for her either. She's not <laughs> panting all the time? Yeah, it's hot out there. It's hot out there for a, for a, a pimp. Yeah. Um, also, apparently podcasts aren't the way to go. We're not going to make any money now thanks to quarantine. It's over for podcasts. Luckily, uh, though, yeah, uh, probably. streaming's where it's at. Time to get back on Twitch. Uh, Twitch is also <sighs> about to introduce a feature where you can have watch parties with any movie on Amazon Prime. It's currently available for Twitch partners, but eventually uh, soon it'll be available for all members of Twitch. So that's oh. it. That's going to be our new bread and butter. <laughs> Get ready for the VHS cult Twitch watch parties. Very good drink. We're, we're muting everybody but you. Yeah, we're going to do, um, it'll be like Friday nights. We'll do a double feature of uh, just drunk Twitch parties. It's Fridays. one good movie and one terrible movie. I'm, I mean, just. It's Amazon you know, Prime, so it's going to be a, a probably all terrible movies. It's going to be a lot of terrible movies. <laughs> Especially if we're sticking to the 80s. <laughs> I can't imagine we have we can't stick to the eighties and do that. I mean, that was maybe the original intent of this podcast too was only to do shitty movies. But then, after, shortly after we started, I was like, no, I think it's more like there's a lot of good <laughs> shortly 80s. after we started. I think we watched Death Wish too, and we're like, ugh, we can't do it. But yeah, and then I was also like, you know what? There's a lot of people that aren't familiar with um, how good movies were in the eighties. You know what I mean? There's a lot of movies that people aren't familiar with from the eighties that seemingly should be part of the zeitgeist and like yeah no one no one really listens to our podcast or anything but if they did if we did somehow become popular these are movies i would like to reintroduce to a wider audience this is like my goal no not maybe not heathers though if i if i guess we're gonna fight on this because i think <laughs> i think heathers fucking rules i feel like it's just really underwritten and under just like the whole thing is like underdeveloped uh, I think it needed more. Uh, maybe the runtime should have been a little bit longer. And that was uh, the original intent, actually, with the movie. Three 
Heather Chandler, Heather McNamara, Heather Duke, Veronica Sawyer. Why are you such a mega brat? Because I can be. The most powerful clique at Westerberg. Not Veronica. Drool much? Most people would die to get into it. Heather number one, just look right at me. I'm worshipped at Westerberg, and I'm only a junior. Veronica would kill to get out of it. You were nothing before you met me. You were a Girl Scout cookie. JD has come to answer her prayers. I'm a no-rest build-up man myself. We'll kill her. He's got a way with women. A way with words. Is this as good for you as it is for me? Life can suck! And a very special way with a gun. Veronica can't live with him. Help! I love my dead gay son. And she can't live without him. Does this turn out weak or what? Had at least 70 more people at my funeral. What? Their meeting was destiny. Oh. That knife is filthy! What do you think I'm gonna do with it? Take out her tonsils? Ha! Their love <gasps> has a body count. I loved you. It's coming up here to kill you. That's it. We're breaking up. Young love. Heather's a killer comedy. I'm gonna have to send my SAT scores to San Quentin instead of Stanford. I honestly feel like maybe they could have cut some of the stuff that they have in there. Like the, they can almost start with the murder and cut the first 15 minutes or 20 minutes of the movie. Cause like, it doesn't really, she's not really important at all. You know what I mean? The first Heather, the first Heather. No. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. You got to kind of see like, the, right. Well, yeah, but you can kind of see like the, the Genesis for mean girls or even like, Natural Born Killers, or um, maybe even a little bit like World's Greatest Dad in this movie. Uh, mean Girls definitely copied this movie. And this movie may have copied another movie, too, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, well, that's kind of movies for it. That's, that's um, art for you. Yeah, uh, Mean Girls is uh, a pretty much the exact same movie. Tina Fey just had to insert herself as the voice of reason into the movie. <laughs> Because Tina Fey is a jerk. I love 30 Rock, but Tina Fey is kind of annoying. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, sir? Uh, Mean Girls is a pretty good movie, too. Actually, I guess I love Tina Fey. I don't know. I'll be honest. I'll I'll say it right now. Mean Girls is a better movie than Heather's. Nah, Heather's is a better movie. Nah, nah. Anything. I can't. First of all, it has Christian Slater in it, so it's it's already going to be minus two for me on any ratings. Ooh, you're going to love the quote we get to from Christian Slater about this movie. Uh, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> you're going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I went in there trying to do my Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> um, check it out. Oh, my so, God. I think this movie is great. Uh, color motifs that they have with the characters is wonderful. I love uh, It looks like it, it could almost be... Uh, a weird, like a, a side story. Of, but to honestly, the main problem of it is like everything is there. It's just not. It's not there. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like the movie Tim. The parts Burton are there. The, the puzzle there. I think it's all there. No. Nope. It's there. <laughs> um, Heather is nineteen eighty nine. In order to get out of the snobby clique that is destroying her good girl reputation, 
an intelligent team teams up with a dark sociopath in a plot to kill the cool kids. It's directed by Michael Lehman. Lehman. <laughs> L-E-H-M-A-N-N. What do you think that is? Lehman? Lehman. Lehman. I'm Michael Lehman. Uh, he also directed Hudson Hawk with Bruce Willis, which we'll watch eventually. That's a out and out bad movie. <laughs> but I think people love Hudson Hawk. People I, do. I've, people. I do. haven't seen it in a long time. People. I guess I haven't seen it since I was young either. But I remember it was it couldn't like keep my attention when I was like nine. So my no, that's, that's not an episode. <laughs> yeah, but a, a goofy action movie that doesn't keep my attention when I'm nine years old. What does I just it have? picture Bruce Willis like on, like with a harpoon gun on the cover. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> Uh, he also directed Airheads, which is an amazing movie. Oh, God, yeah, I love Airheads. And he's gone on since then, though, mostly do TV shit. Uh, he's directed tons of episodes of American Horror Story. Ugh. Ugh. Heavily involved in those I think we've talked about American Horror Story on the podcast before. Please see episodes 1 through 83. Yeah, we're not fans. The writing in it is the sloppiest shit you've ever seen. It's like DC Challenges, but not good. It's just like the erotic cocaine dreams of Ryan Murphy, <laughs> which would be like good for like a music video series, but like not. No, it'd be fine for like a three episode. That's my kind of problem. Everything we talked about this before. Yeah, it's always yeah. such a good premise, and then it falls apart when they have to like actually tell the story, like build it out. Yeah, and it's like fucking no, just do. Yeah, just like he, Heather's. You know what? He needs to just write movies or something. Just write a re- weird ass movie. Like he, him, and pa- Panos Cosmatos, the director of, uh, uh, oh yeah, there you up. go, hell yeah, fucking, they should make a movie. I know, I'll, that's that's you know what, right my alley. that's right on my butthole. Um, <clears throat> uh, Michael Lemon, Lemon, he was originally set to direct Ed Wood, but what? due to his commitments with Airheads, Tim Burton took over. Uh, him and Tim Burton have a very similar style. This movie, Heather, yeah, seems you, like you, it could you be don't, a Tim Burton you don't movie. say. This yeah. has a, the pacing. Of this is very Beetlejuice. Ed Wood went on to be Tim Burton's best movie, in my opinion, and one of the best movies in the nineties. Yeah, it probably is his best movie. I really like Big Fish, which I guess I know is the cliche answer. Yeah, that's like his later career too. Yeah. And I think it's it's Edward. Edward's uh, an immaculate screenplay. And then Black and White, just Chef Kiss Choice. Casting is amazing. Um, Yeah, Edward's just a really good movie. So Michael Lemon missed out on that. Lemon. Yeah, but he made um, Airheads, which is a pretty good, pretty good call. He also was an executive producer still on Edward, so at least he still got the dollar reduce. <laughs> yeah, I'm Ed, Ed Wood, the famous box office hit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I think it did all right for its budget. <laughs> it's definitely done amazing in like DVD and Blu-ray sales. Yeah, well, let's just hope he got for you know points on the gross. It's yeah, producers usually do. I think, especially executive producer. For this film, though, uh, Heather's, uh, Michael Lamont, and producer Denise Dinovi, they won the 1990 Independent Spirit Award for Best First Feature. So he got awards for this. How do you feel about that, you Heather's hater? Yeah, whatever. There's plenty of movies that I hate that will win awards. Hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at you. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's that stupid math movie with... Uh, Oh, Beautiful Minds? That's the one. <laughs> With the uh, fucking, uh, what's the Australian yeah. man? Yeah. <laughs> Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, yeah. 
Was, honestly, you want to go back and look at the, the Oscar winners? I guarantee you I can find. They're bad. Every most other of, ones are bad. Most of them are bad, yeah. Yeah, don't give me shit about awards or, or even box office numbers. No, nah, most of it doesn't I'll, matter. I'll cut you. I'll, I'll come right at you. Box office numbers is like, well, uh, most people don't have any taste, so can't trust that. And then, like, awards, especially the Oscars, it's like, well, the Oscars committee is a bunch of old idiots, so can't trust that either. <laughs> the box office is always crazy to me because sometimes it's always like, oh, man, people don't have any taste. And then sometimes Transformers 5 makes no money. And you're like, oh, you know what? People do know what's up. Yeah, but they got exhausted after the four other ones that made a billion dollars. <laughs> Well, I guess China was keeping Transformers afloat, actually. But, even, but even, even China got tired of Transformers, so that's how bad they were. Uh, the writer of this film, Daniel Waters, who is of no relation to John Waters, unfortunately. Uh, we're all disappointed about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also wrote Hudson Hawk with his, his friend here. Oh, hey. Yeah, but you know what else he wrote? Nope. Batman Returns and... Demolition Man. Huh. Yeah, Demolition Man rules. Batman Returns. Eh, it's all right. Yeah. I was the number one son, but then he treated me like number two. Yeah, Dan DeVito's Penguin has a bunch of really good speeches. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman was like an early sexual sexual awakening for me as like a six year old. Um, (laughs) So that's cool. Wait, that was 1991 or 92. Was it? Were you you six when it came out? Yeah, it's more than 86. I think it was yeah. five or six, yeah. I mean, I didn't understand it at the time. <laughs> I was just like, huh, okay. <laughs> uh, Tim Burton wanted him to contribute to the screenplay for uh, Batman Forever after seeing this movie specifically. So, in your face, Sean. Everyone else is a fan of this movie. <laughs> uh, when not writing his own scripts, he works as a script doctor, rewriting the work of others. This is also known as a punch-up artist. And that's uh, uh, Carrie Fisher. That's what Carrie Fisher did. For yeah, Patton Oswalt does it too, doesn't he? Patton Oswalt does? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. But he hasn't even told a good joke in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like one in the last 20. What's the biggest fan or big the one where have you seen his movie where oh uh, yeah he's like a soccer number, man number one fan yeah that movie is pretty good yeah he wrote that so I guess I trust him a little bit similar to uh, Quentin Tarantino though Daniel Waters wrote the screenplay for this film Heather as well he's working at a video store and he said uh, he was basically eating popcorn for every meal and I was like so? man are they fucking giving away popcorn at video stores and then I remembered that. Hell yeah, like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video had like free popcorn and shit for the employees. <laughs> but um, they had like popcorn you could snatch anyways, easily yeah. enough. <laughs> if you were sticky enough fingered. I mean, every job I've had, I've stolen shit from, so I get it. Uh, Waters wrote Heather's as a spec script and originally wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct the film. Yep, that seems like a Stanley Kubrick mm-hmm. movie. <laughs> Well, the connective tissue there is he did it out of admiration for Kubrick's own black comedy, which is, of course, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange Love. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, um, mm, I don't see it. <laughs> not really similar, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, they're um, both black comedies, but Doctor Strange Love and Heather's are not really, not really Strange Love, the same water. Doctor Strange Love maybe addresses a more worldwide uh, general concern that of atomic energy which is maybe not relatable to everyone so much as like social issues in high school is. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, he intended for Heathers to contrast the more optimistic teen movies of the era, particularly those written by John Hughes, by presenting a realistic depiction of high school imbued with dark satire. He's quoted as saying, I loved high school, which is, that's... Ugh, I'm already not a fan yeah, of this guy. Gone a, little bit too, gone a little bit too far, man. Because in high school, we all, all had to be a certain way. We all had to fit in in a certain clique. And if anyone came in who was even a little different, they were killed for it. I don't think he means literally, though. That was until 1999, right, when the Columbine shooting happened. Then people were literally killed for uh, for personal squabbles they had with uh, the Columbine shooters. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. But, I mean, I feel like if, uh, you know, mid-90s, maybe even early 90s, for a lot of, uh, like, inner city and, and youth, uh, that might have been more of a reality. Because you know, there was a kid, uh, I've, we talked about this before, I don't know if you cut it, but when I was in sixth grade, there was a man that I knew that was uh, expelled for school from bringing a handgun. And this he was, was... He wasn't a man. He was a child still. Yeah, he was a yeah. child. I'm yeah. a, I, mean, I say man just as a joke, but yeah. one of my friends, but... I mean, the legal system may have treated him as a man because he was also No, black. I think he ended up... Yeah, well, no, I mean, he got expelled and he ended up... I ended up seeing him later in junior high, but like in the special class you know what i mean well, did he troubled get, use well did he get sent to juvie at all for it or is it just expulsion because i remember I he was remember. gone he was gone for a few months right he was gone for a long time i don't remember i don't remember the exact details of it but i guess my point is like the, the columbine like is a wake up for for, for white america right it's still weird to say as a white dude but um yeah, for a lot of people there was a problem yeah. like handguns and, and violence in schools was a problem for a lot of people before <laughs> columbine well, yeah, because um, remember there was metal detectors at the high schools in um, the neighborhood we grew up yeah. in. Yeah. So, like, uh, possibly getting shot was um, a realistic concern for uh, maybe not us personally, but a lot of people we knew. Oh, we may have known, yeah. Cousins, older brothers, you know, stuff like that. It was, like, a concern. But it wasn't... Um, I guess in the mainstream, it wasn't a concern until 99. That's the thing is the the Columbine shooting isn't, I don't think that's on the same level as gang violence. I think the Columbine shooting shows much much more malice and pathos. I guess. I feel like it's just violent. I don't know. It just seems like. I'm not saying one's better than the other. One's uh, obviously one comes from economic struggle and not being able to escape from it and the violent that's violence that's inherent to a lower economic class which is a feature of society we can fix right whereas i actually know a bunch about the columbine shooting i fucking hate the columbine shooters the two little pricks that did it especially because uh remember when the, the media twisted the narrative as if they were bullied and that's why they killed the kids or whatever that's all bullshit. That's these kids were just fucking little sociopath piece of shit serial killers, and that's what they did. That's what I mean. There's like pathos and malice to it, right? But I don't know. I guess it's like they're both societal issues that we should be able to fix. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't. There's always gonna be um, murder. There's always gonna be serial killers and stuff. I think. Right, but I mean, how many other countries have to deal with this level of, of violence? I mean, I guess... Yeah, the answer is none, Kyle, so I'll I'll answer that for you. (laughs) Yeah. That's just, like, the ease of access to guns, though. I don't know. Canada has almost the same level of access to guns. They don't have to deal with this shit. So there's, like, you're saying there's an inherent... I think there's a societal model in the United States. 
Well, I guess that's. I feel like the data backs me up on this, but whatever. We're talking about movies. We well, yeah, this track is, it's kind of on topic for this movie, though. So we. Can, I guess it is. It was a weird, like, in um, not such a hot topic in 1997 or eight when it was filmed, but well, this is 89. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I uh, went through the um, first. I was like, all right, so obviously there's school shootings that existed before Columbine. That's just like the most apocryphal one that everyone right. talks about as like, the turning point ever. There's school shootings leading up to that. It just wasn't as as common or as often or as on the same scale. Um, and then I also went through and was, I was like, you know, it was weird for them to make this movie in '89 when the country's. So here's the thing about this movie that's interesting to me. Um, it still follows the path of the John Hughes movies and the other teen comedies of the day where it's, these are rich kids, right? These are rich white kids. Yeah. For the most part. Right. Um, and so I was like, was suicide such I, mean, I don't know if about you, but I've never played croquet. I, yeah, I, well, they were playing and I had no fucking clue what the rules were. They're like, you're going to take your two shots or knock me out. And I was like, what the, these are rules in croquet. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I, I, the only time I've ever seen croquet mount used is when someone's been hit with it. So, I don't. yeah, I th- didn't know people actually played it. I thought it was like lawn darts or something. <laughs> so it's got that weird thing going on. But I was like, is was suicide becoming was teen suicide becoming such a prevalent problem in the late eighties? That <laughs> it's that uh, mazes and monsters situation. Yeah, like it was going to show up in um, media, even about the upper classes or whatever. So I went through and looked at like the teen suicide rates over like the last 40 years or so way and, more research than i wanted to do but go ahead yeah uh so uh teen suicide rates now are the last uh like five years or so all-time high of course right as you would expect because just the diseases of despair and the, su- the suicide rate in general is just all-time high right now so but then going back to uh, 1989 when this movie is made uh it is at like 10 percent for like every 100,000 individuals. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's that actually it was still pretty high, but uh, it seems to like sit around 10%. Usually it's just like now we're at like 14 to 15%. The reason and, is uh, you don't know why they specifically yeah, chose this kind of uh-huh. topic or direction. Yeah. So my thinking is, I don't know why this became the direction of the film. Uh, I do know that Daniel Waters, the writer, based a lot of it off of his sister's experience in high school. So I was thinking maybe... She murdered a bunch of people in high school? And I was thinking maybe this is a phenomenon that's existed for a long time where, uh, as depicted in the film, usually a suicide out of school does kind of like trigger more yeah, suicides. Yeah, a couple more suicides. So I'm thinking, I was thinking maybe that's like something that actually happened at uh, her high school or something like that to to make that like a part of the script that's the suicide aspect of it anyways not that suicide was running rampant in 1989 because 1989 was actually a relatively uh secure period for most of the united states right especially the the kids that would fall into this economic bracket yes I, i'm guessing it has to come from some personal or relative it has to be something he was aware of as an actual event for the suicide aspect of it because it does not seem to be that it was a big problem in 89. 89, it seemed like... um, Actually, you know what? 89 is the height of, like, the satanic panic and the height of, like, afternoon talk shows talking about what kids are Yeah, but I mean, even if it was filmed in, like, 89, it had to be written before then. 
Yeah, but that period in the late 80s is when everyone was getting, like, worked into a fervor about everything teenagers did, right? And you saw it again, like, the mid-90s. So Now we don't give a shit. So maybe it was like, oh, the oh, kids are committing suicide. Can you believe it? Even though they weren't committing suicide any more than they used to. It was just like, you know, 24-hour news existed now and they had to talk about it. That said, uh, Waters did gain recognition for his screenplay. He won the 1990 Edgar Award. And despite high critical praise, the film failed in the box office, but later became popular as a cult film. I mean, that's why we're watching it, because we watch genre films from the 80s, especially cult films. Um, Especially ones with Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Does Courtney like this movie, or is she familiar with this movie? No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. Interesting. She said it was boring. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I got to be honest with you. It, like, the pacing is just not, it's not right for what the... <laughs> I have a problem with the pacing of the third act, but that's, I think there's a reason for it because they had to change the, 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 the ending well, of the movie. The first act and the third act are really weird pace-wise. I think it's all totally fine until, like, the last half an hour, and then it's like, all right, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. And uh, Christian Slater's character's motivation is a little bit all over the place. And I get... <laughs> oh, you don't say. I get it. So, oh, he's so psycho and blah, blah, blah. But usually there's like a pathology to uh, these sorts of things. You know I mean? <laughs> Even if it only makes sense to them, you can kind of pick up on the patterns. He just seems to be com- completely reckless with that. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, honestly, if you, if you told me he was a figment of... of uh, when I read his character's imagination, Veronica's imagination, I would mm. 100% believe it. That might actually work, right? That'd be like the precursor to Fight Club. Yeah, right. Well, that makes a more interesting movie in my mind. Hmm. Well, speaking of the cast, our, of course, our leading lady is Winona. Winona Shannon Doherty. Oh. Oh, yeah, she's in it too. Well, it's Winona. Winona Ryder. Um, uh, nerds listening to the podcast will know her from Stranger Things, which is probably the worst thing she's ever appeared in. Hmm. That's, man, you know you're giving her a lot of credit. <laughs> I don't know. All I can remember is hits, hits, hit after hit after hit. Never been in a bad movie, I don't think. Uh, she's in Bram Stoker's Dracula, so and she's great in it. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it was, the movie was good. I feel, I actually still really. What about Alien Resurrection? She's in Alien Resurrection. She's great in it. She got short <laughs> hair, looking beautiful. Um, it could have been better. Alien Resurrection could have been better. It's not <laughs> awful though. It's not as bad as Stranger Things. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'd rather watch Stranger Things than Sigourney but Weaver. But I have watched the in a Sigourney while. Weaver hits that like behind the back overhead basketball shot, and they filmed it for. Oh her. my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> you, and, you know what? fuck you, I'd rather watch Stranger Things. And Ron Perlman is in it. <laughs> mm, they're, you know what? They're back to even. Ron Perlman is not in Stranger Things, is it? <laughs> no, no, you got me there. Uh huh. Many actors and actresses turned down the project because of its dark subject matter. <laughs> Just like Cable Guy. Yeah. Early choices for Veronica were Drew Barrymore, Justine Bateman, and Jennifer mm-hmm. Connelly. They all turned down the role, though, because they were too spooky scared. Jennifer Connelly's done some weird shit, so that seems like a... I mean, yeah, she's going to go on to do Requiem for a Dream, but I mean, she was also like probably like 15 when this movie came out. This is like a hot off the heels of Labyrinth. She's got to not be that old. Yeah, you're probably right. She's probably like 18, 19 at this point. Yeah. This is well before ass to ass. <laughs> Ugh. 
Um, speaking of age, Winona is actually 16 at the time of filming. It's just weird because the rest of the cast is like in their 20s. Um, most of them are actually age appropriate except for one of the Heathers. The old um, looking Heather? I think it's the Heather that dies first. I don't remember though. And I didn't take notes about it because I only cared about Winota, a little bit about Slater, and then, ooh, who's that? It's Shannon Doherty. Um, yeah, she's only 16 at the time of filming, which is interesting because apparently Winona Ryder's looked exactly the same since she was 16. She barely looks any different than when she was 16. That's wild to me. Uh, she bathed Just- Waters to cast her as Veronica. She really wanted to be in this movie because Winona Ryder, impeccable taste. <laughs> Renata Ryder made Stranger Things in Resurrection. <laughs> oh shit! No, she didn't make Stranger Things. She's not even in it. That's Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> uh, uh, Waters, the first didn't think Ryder was pretty enough. What? Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty Hollywood for you, huh? Ryder herself uh, commented that at the time I didn't look that different from my character in Beetlejuice. I was very pale. I had blue-black dyed hair. And I went to Macy's at the Beverly Center and had them do a makeover on me. Which, like, is that supposed to be cute? That sounds depressing as hell. I'm a little depressed about it. Yeah. Man, Hollywood sucks. (laughs) Uh, Poor Winona. (laughs) That's why she started going through a cultomania phrase. I think she just likes to have fun. Just like the Vince Staples song. She's like, oh, we just want to have fun. Think I know why he no like me. He broke. We know. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of fun. Uh, Palman necklaces from the Macy Penny or J- Macy Penny's. JC Penny's counter. She wasn't. She was still in necklaces and shit from like those like high scale boutiques and shit. She What's the difference? She's getting that money, son. She didn't that was like that a, money, son. That was like a heist. She was like on a heist. <laughs> she just, it was like pocket change to her, son. <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. We on a heist. I'm going. I'll go on a heist with Winona, right? <laughs> I need. I need Winona and fourteen other guys. One of them has to be a diminutive agent. No, me will be. Uh, my like heist team would be me, Winona Ryder, Juliet Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> You and two women in their 50s. <laughs> Faruza Balk. Uh, what's the name of the uh, woman who played Tank Girl? She's in it too. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot her name. It's Tim. I can't remember either. I just saw an orange and new black though. Oh, word. How does she look? Good? Mm. Oh. She looks her age. Oh, oh word. All right. All right. Oh, I mean, no. Uh, man, we keep a G up. Even when the heat's up. Whatever. Uh, Ryder's agent was opposed to her uh, pursuing the role. Uh, she was so opposed, she got down on her hands and knees to beg her not to take it, warning her that <laughs> it ruined and ruin, went on Ryder's career. She had to do Stranger Things after this. Yeah, there's, she said, it's going to ruin your career, baby doll. Don't do it. Uh, Noni apparently is Winona Ryder's nickname. Noni, which is cute. Is Winona Ryder married? Is she looking to get married again? Uh <laughs> Uh, I don't know that she was ever married. Last she was married to um, Johnny Depp. No, they he proposed like fourteen times, and she said no, and then he changed his tattoo. That's the story. I oh, because she was like, "Stop spending so much goddamn money on wine." <laughs> He's like, "I'll show you. I'm gonna change this tattoo." Um, she was in a long term relationship with some musician, dude. No, that, that wasn't Johnny Depp. I don't remember which one. 
Johnny Depp, yeah, he's in the L.A. Vipers or something. No, like a real musician, not oh. Johnny Depp. Oh, or, uh, we also got Christian Slater. He's uh, we made a joke about it last week. He just copies Jack Nicholson, right? That's no, he does. He does. You can't see it in like full display in this movie. That's for sure. Well, according to him, he stated that his performance was heavily inspired by Jack Nicholson <laughs> just for this movie. Oh. <laughs> he claims that he wrote a letter to Nicholson, act, Nicholson asking him to watch the film, but not re- but did not receive any answer. I think <laughs> it's interesting that he's like, "Yeah, I really channeled uh, Jack for um, this Heathers, one role, just Heather's, not my entire career, just Heather's." <laughs> my entire uh, professional life has not been based around Jack Nicholson. That's for sure. Yeah, he's just- pretty. Um, he's pretty handsome in this movie, but uh, it's interesting that like his hairline changing just a little bit turns him from like a teenage heartthrob into a short guy with a bad hairline. Like, by the time he gets a broken arrow, right? <laughs> it's like you can only play nerds now, you nerd. <laughs> I think it's amazing that his eyebrows are perfectly Jack Nicholson. <laughs> what did the, the, the they're like filled in that way but then he's also like specifically doing the eyebrow like raised squint thing all the time (laughs) yeah it's amazing he's like hey yeah i'm pretty uh pretty familiar with the the snacky shop where they got the get the hot dogs and then you feel good about yourself Ah, my family moves a lot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, most importantly though we have 17 year old shannon doherty Uh, shannon doherty apparently older than winona Ryder. By a year. Shockingly. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what Shannon Doherty looks like anymore, but um, my familiarity with Winona Ryder came later on in my life than Shannon Doherty because Shannon Doherty was on No 2 and 0. And our mom used to watch No 2 and 0. And we'd watch it with it. So I was much more familiar with Shannon Doherty when I was younger. I assumed like Shannon Doherty was like. I don't know what I assume. Is she a million years old? 600 <laughs> years old? Three years old? I don't know. I, I have no She might almost be 50. <laughs> if, you, if your math is correct with Renona and Shannon Doherty, then she is 49 or 50 right now. Hmm. I wonder what she's up to. Uh, last I heard, she had cancer. In uh, England, they, uh, I know this from uh, Pete Doherty. The he was the lead singer of the Libertines. You remember Pete Doherty? He's a heroin act, and he was uh, uh with the what K- you gonna do, K- Moss. Remember the yeah. Libertines? Like, oh, they're the next Clash. But uh, Pete Doherty is pretty not I, good. Yeah, I don't know. I always thought Pete Doherty was pretty cool. But um, anyhow, I mean, cool isn't good. But go ahead. Uh, he was a talented writer. He just yeah, you know. But uh, anyhow, in England, they, they always said his name Pete Doherty. Doherty. Doherty, which I don't, I don't know if that's right because it's an Irish name. So it's Shame Doherty. Doherty, and then uh, even one time I saw uh, what's the Sharon Osbourne, Ozzy's wife. She like called him Pete Doherty. I was like, that's (laughs) that's definitely not right. That's that can't possibly. (laughs) You British. Yeah, I, my thing is, I just don't, I don't ever expect the British to pronounce Irish names correctly. So (laughs) it's probably not Doherty. I don't see expecting to intentionally pronounce it wrong. Yeah, do hurty. Um, she originally Shannon. This is Shannon, by the way, not her sister Shannon, but Shannon Doherty. 
she wanted the role of Veronica, but Ryder had been cast. So uh. producers asked her audition for, for Heather Chandler, which is the cheerleading Heather. But Heather was, or Shannon was more interested in playing Heather Duke. And ended up giving an amazing reading as Heather Duke, which secured her the part. Uh, they also wanted her to dye her hair blonde to match the other Heathers, but Doherty was like, mm, nah, and so they went with red hair. <laughs> Is her hair red in this? It seems brown. Well, it's like um, Auburn, Auburn, right? Yeah, so like if the sun catches it, it's red, but otherwise it's kind of dark. I mean, I probably wouldn't dye my hair for this either. Fucking with the full head of like long, luxurious locks that Shannon Doherty has. It's going to be fucked up forever. <laughs> and um, going along with uh, the history of Shannon Doherty's career as an actor, uh, Michael she Lemon... fought with everybody on set? Yeah, the director called Doherty a bit of a handful on set, in part because she ad- objected to the swearing in the script and refused to say some of the more explicit lines. <laughs> it seems like something you would know before you took the job, but... Nah. Lisa Ann Falk, uh, who plays one of the other Heathers, Heather Chandler, stated that Doherty didn't have much of a sense of humor, and she took herself a little seriously. Denovi, the producer, said, I don't think Shannon really got what Heathers was, and that worked for us. She made the character real. <laughs> she was dumb as a post. Well, when the cast first viewed the movie... Doherty ended up running out crying because the movie was a dark comedy and not the drama she was expecting. So yeah, I don't, she wasn't paying attention or something. <laughs> well, that's a Cusack move. I've never seen one. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 I guess the honest truth is, for actors, a lot of times, like you don't really get you to can't see tell until the, the, the movies are made in the edit, right? So. Yeah, I don't know. At the outset, though, it's clear a lot of the actors realize they're doing a satire you know what i mean like, it seems to me like you that script has to be reasonably clear <laughs> that it's a, a satire yeah so i don't I, I mean she's also 17 i won't like 17 year old shannon doherty is fine she's still pissed about it though at 49 uh, there's a part of the movie though where she's like well you quit pulling my dick <laughs> i laughed real loud at that part. yeah and then you can see she's about to crack up when she says it because she's like who i said a naughty word apparently uh <laughs> shannon doherty's from a, a very strict catholic background if you can believe it <laughs> <laughs> with a name like shannon doherty yes <laughs> doherty oh shannon oh shannon cover up your legs cover up your ankles shannon uh the film was considered a flop when it was released like, uh, I consider it a flop now. Oh, shit. At the time of its release, uh, Desan Thomas Thompson of the Washington Post wrote that the film may be the nastiest, coolest fun you can have without actually having to study law or gird leather products. <laughs> if movies were food, Heather's would be a cynic's chocolate binge. They're talking about EMS, I think. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. <laughs> And then our old friend, Roger Ebert, our friend of me, what did he have to say? What do you think? You think you liked it? You think, eh, no. He gave the film 2.5 stars out of four. And he wrote that the film is a morbid comedy about peer pressure in high school, about teenage suicide, and about the deadliness of cliques that not only exclude, is it? but also maim and kill. And then, uh, that's not a review. That's just kind of a synopsis of events in the film. (laughs) But, but is it, is that what the film is about? Doesn't seem like it. 
No, the film's about like when people suck, you got to kill them. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's that's Christian Slater's uh, mo. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's right up there for me. With as far as personal heroes go, we got John Waters, um, Charles Manson, <laughs> Nick Cave, and now Christian Slater's character and. Fucking wow! This like <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just Charles Manson is not one of my personal heroes. <laughs> I just like to. I feel like John Waters does not want to be associated with most of those people. <laughs> I think John Waters get what Charles Manson had to say a little bit, which is my feeling about Charles Manson as well. It's like I get it. You, you fucked up, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Not the weird racist shit, though. I don't get that part. <laughs> I don't think he also didn't believe that at all, either. He was just making shit up from, like, when he was in jail. <laughs> uh, we, I don't know. We could do a whole podcast about Charles Manson. Because <laughs> he's just, like, the funniest, most interesting person of all time. I mean, the whole thing to me is, like, I mean, Hitler didn't kill anybody, either. <laughs> Technically. She did shoot uh, Kurt after uh, Christian Slater chases him back to the Staging grounds in the woods. Right. She does shoot him in the chest. So she kills one person. Kill guy. Well, yeah. I mean, she knew what was going to happen to the first other two. She's done the whole thing. She's well, the whole thing is after like that event, it's like, you know what? It's going to be me or Christian Slater. You know what I mean? Like, that would be my thinking. Like, <laughs> like I can't trust this guy. Yeah. It's one second. Gotta, as soon as I go against what his wishes are, I'm going to end up dead. Well, no, no, for me, I, I was thinking more like uh, Jesse James kind of thing where, uh, you know what? This guy might roll over on me. I can't trust him. <laughs> now, he doesn't seem like a guy that roll over to me. He seems like a guy that's going to snap and uh, decide that he needs to stage a suicide with me. Well, that's the problem, too, is like, oh, yeah, maybe he'll roll over. Maybe he'll say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Maybe he'll try to come after me, blah, blah, blah. It's like the end of the day, though, it's, I, you have to kill him, right? It's like you got to get rid of this guy. Right, because like, there's one of like four outcomes, and three of the outcomes are bad for you. Well, it's like I trust Either myself. Either he keeps his mouth quiet. Quiet, I trust right? myself to be like a cold, calculated killer, but I don't trust this other guy. Well, the only way why is, would you? Because he's not a cold, calculated killer. He's yeah, a fucking insane person. Yeah, the only way to keep me safe is to end this guy, to end this dude. And that's what I do. I get him. <laughs> but, I mean, she's also supposed to be like, what, 16 in it? You know? Like, eh. I also think the movie would be better if uh, she didn't have the change of heart. I kind of wish it was more like um, natural born killers. Yeah, where it is, they're just like you know what, fucking killing rules. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even in natural born killers, they have a falling out and stuff, right? But uh, just the basic idea of natural born killers, where she's like, yeah, you know what, killing gets shit done. Oh, but of course that wouldn't fit in with the plot of the movie because killing doesn't get shit done. People just move in to fill the vacuum, and then the things uh, reperpetuate and stuff, but. And also, like, fucking, you want to hang out with Christian Slater? <laughs> That's my whole thing. Yeah. Plus, he's all, he was way too physical of one another. Way too physical. Well, there's the one part where he's, like, really grabbing and, and kissing and pulling and grabbing. Yeah, and she's like, oh, we're done. I'm done with this. And he's like, oh, no. no. I was like, oh, this is this is the 80s, I guess. <laughs> well, there's also the part where they're kipping, tipping cows, right? Yeah, and um, the other Heather is getting straight up date raped in the background. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 Uncomfortable. Dark. Very dark. 
It's a dark comedy, if you will. It is. <laughs> Not very many things funny with that, that scene, though. Uh, he falls hey, in. What do you think about the, uh, the frequently gay references? I mean, so my first reaction to it is uh, when I was watching it, is how often they were using the uh, pejoratives for homosexuals. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, uh, I have flashbacks to high school when I used to be called. Like, if someone asked me what my nickname was in high school, this is going to make it sound like I was so unpopular in high school and shit. It was, like, I wasn't. Like, I actually got along with a lot of people and all sorts of shit. But there was just, I was getting, like, constant shit from, like, certain groups of people every once in a while. But, like, if you asked what my nickname in high school was, like, I'd be, like, fucking queer, I guess. Because <laughs> I used to hear that shit so much and queer bay. And, you know what I mean? Because people used to be so, like, fast and oh, loose I, with that I, shit back then. I, in some ways it's never been a great time to be like a gay person yeah in high school but like it feels like the late 90s early 2000s was not fun because it was more out in the open people were more comfortable about being gay but at the same time people were constantly calling each other fags and queer mm-hmm. and shit like that yeah um i know it's like still hard out there for like the younger gays and trans and stuff i'm not trying to take away from that like anyone listening or anything but like fucking <laughs> you could not deviate from the norm at all when we were growing up and like, no. yeah. you know what I mean I mean like, that's certain parts of the country are still like that yeah that's true. large parts of the country I should probably say yeah so I guess yeah I don't want to say it's gotten better but I don't know hopefully, hopefully it has you gotta admit it, it's getting better it's getting better all the time hopefully huh? hopefully <laughs> I don't know but yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I was just like, man, fucking. <laughs> even in the eighties, they were doing that shit, huh? And then the big thing um, when uh, Kurt and Ram, the uh, two jocks that they arranged to kill, and then they arranged to set it up as if uh, they were did like a murder suicide or a love pact, a suicide pact out of their gay relationship, and then it was kind of played for comedic value at the funeral. <laughs> Yeah, I love my dead, my gay dead son. But um, that said, Christian Slater immediately his character turns around. And he's like, "I wonder if he'd say that if he's still alive." So it's still kind of pointing out the hypocrisy of, I guess, suburbia. But um, uh, maybe I could, to give the benefit of the doubt to the writers and the directors, maybe they weren't aware of uh, uh, extreme. Or the larger suicide rate among gay teens at the time, maybe, <laughs> probably. But I don't know if that's a good <laughs> yeah. excuse or not. Right? Yeah, I don't know. So uh, yeah, when you write writing a or moving that features teen suicide pretty heavily, or at least the idea of teen suicide. You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems weird to play it off as a, as a joke, joke, or and or For kind of the way they did it so matter of factly makes it seem like maybe they were aware of it being a thing right maybe i don't know it seems real like it's such a slight touch i don't know yeah but yeah that part kind of i was like oh that's kind of weird but it was kind of weird in a way like it hits like close to reality and then my thinking was like oh maybe they just didn't know and then yeah just the I don't know. Whenever we watch any of the '80s teen movies, we watch so far. It's like they're so so carefree with the f word, and it's like I have not heard people openly like throwing that word around in like at least like ten years. I don't think a decade. 
I mean, on the internet, you see it sometimes, but on the internet, you see the worst shit. Anyhow, this film went on to be a cult success. On Rotten Tomatoes, it holds a current score of 93%. It is a consensus of dark, cynical, and subversive. Heathers gently applies the chainsaw to the conventions of the high school movie, changing the game for teen comedies to follow. Daniel Waters... Um, I mean, I don't know if anything picked up the torch so much after it, but it definitely stands out in opposition to the John Hughes movies, I think. Because the John Hughes movies are always very hopeful about, uh, yeah, everything will be fine for our wealthy white teenagers. <laughs> they will be, because it's wealthy white teenagers. Are, this one's like, at least like, wealthy white teenagers are fucking dickheads. <laughs> <laughs> they should be shot and killed. <laughs> Murder should be staged suicides. Oh, yeah, man. They grew up to like fucking fund the Republican and Democratic parties. All these characters <laughs> in these movies. They should be dead. Uh, Kurt Aram was definitely Kavanaugh, 100%. <laughs> he didn't make it to college where he could have done his best rapes. <laughs> uh, Daniel Waters created a specific set of slang and style of speech for the film, wanting to ensure that the language in the film would have a timeless quality instead of just reflecting teen slang at the time. Much of the language made it into the popular vernacular, however, and the film is among the most cited in the Oxford English Dictionary as a result. Oh, was, crazy. Stop pulling my dick. Yeah, I hear that all the time. <laughs> I was specific, um, the slang that I, was interesting to me was um, they'd be like, oh, that's so very, right? They'd just say very. Like, that, it wasn't, they wouldn't go further on and <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah, would just finish be the so sentence. very. Yeah. So it reminded me of the Australian slang that exists where it's like, oh, that's, oh, that's dank ass. Oh, that's wicked ass. Where they just, it's wicked ass. Whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we could as uh yeah. So you're gonna start doing that, you know. It's so very No, I just thought it was uh, interesting nah, that, that 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 slang developed that way anyway. So like, I don't know if Heather's is popular in Australia. It seems like it developed <laughs> it, it's actually the uh, third most popular film in Australia. It's it's a real classic. Well it's the first crocodile dundee movies, the first two crocodile dundee movies, and then Heather. I was gonna be crocodile dundee jerk <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's how I know about Australia and also rugby and Australian rules, Australian rules football. Uh, speaking of, uh, I mentioned earlier the uh, the last act of the film. I don't like it because, yeah, you said the pacing's wrong in the whole movie. I disagree. I think it's just like the last act. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like Again, I feel like the first 15 minutes, I would change it around. Maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes, I'd change it around a lot. And the uh, middle act is fine, but then the last... I don't know. Every movie we watch has third act problems. It seems like, uh, yeah, it seems like that's the hardest. That's that's the hardest act to nail. The only thing that did it was Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> no other movie, as far as I know. Turn <laughs> of the Jedi when they play the stormtrooper helmets like drums. <laughs> Everyone loves that part. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, what I think everyone should do is the classic Paul McCartney trick when you don't know how to finish a song. Is the third verse is the same as the first verse? So you just repeat that first act. Nah, you just end it. Don't even get to the third verse. Just all of a sudden have like a tempo change with some noise. End the song. Maybe spoken word part. <laughs> That's art, baby. <laughs> uh, so I think there are, the problem with the pacing at the end might, though, why I bring that up because I think it has to do with the ending being changed. Maybe not, though, because a lot of elements... In the, the original movie, ending, the entire school exploded and they flew off into heaven, where socio, socioeconomic differences didn't matter or something. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? <laughs> kind of. Well, you remember uh, Christian Slade's character? Yeah, he threw out. He had that two-second mm-hmm. line about that shit. It's like, oh, is this what that movie's about? Because it doesn't seem like this movie's about that. <laughs> yep, that's the end of the movie. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, all so the original ending involves Veronica killing herself with JD's bomb, quietly saying "bang" and the school being destroyed. Keeping true on JD's words about how different social types can only get along in heaven, the scene would then cut to black and it would show a prom in heaven with Martha Dunstock or Martha Dumtruck singing to a crowd of different social types dancing together. This was rejected for being too dark. <laughs> I kind of like it because that's like some. David I think it's Mo- cynical as shit. That's some like. Well, yeah, it's not. Uh, abs- it's not reflective of uh, the reality of socioeconomic you know, differences at all or anything like that. But I, I think it's a good ending just because it's like, yeah, that's some, some like fucking David Lynch shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the original ending to that Kevin Smith movie, Red State. It was, uh, it was originally supposed to end with the rapture. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but then that would have reinforced the views of the characters in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Weird, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, that was probably good I didn't do that. It was, he probably shouldn't have made that movie anyways. He hasn't made a good movie in um. When did... Uh, Four years. When the clerks come out. <laughs> 96. <laughs> it's been a long and Chase time. Chase the Amy was pretty good. It was pretty good when it came out. If you go back and watch it now. Mm. No, it doesn't hold up. I haven't watched oh, it. Uh-uh. It's actually like kind of offensive. <laughs> but I guess like, um, you know, I'm sure he's in his personal life. I don't, I don't think Kevin Smith is a hateful person. Or has anything? No, I don't. I can't imagine him being out there like <laughs> about the LGBT community or anything. But it is like you, you go back and watch it now, and it's like this is definitely a twenty-three-year-old like suburban straight white guy from the nineties talking about <laughs> lesbian stuff. Well, I mean that's kind of what it is, right? Ben Affleck's character is Kevin Smith to a certain degree, isn't it? Yeah, Holden. Yeah, I think it <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Man, every time I see a character named Holden, I'm like, this guy's gonna be a dick. Why? Because Catcher in the Rye? 100%. Oh, speaking of Catcher in the Rye, that's the book the class is supposed to be reading in this movie, not Moby Dick. Also, J.D. is named after J.D. Salinger. Uh, it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Catcher in the Rye. Remember it made him kill John Lennon. What was that fool's name? Uh, Bert. No, the dude that killed John Lennon. What was I don't name? remember his fucking name. I don't... <laughs> You're not supposed to remember their, their names, Kyle. That's the point. Why? He's a hero. <laughs> let's see who it was oh, oh mark david chapman that's right <laughs> uh he finally put an end to the beatles that wonderful man <laughs> <laughs> they've been dead for 10 years yeah it's saturday night live almost got him to come back for what, what was it, like 700 dollars or something because <laughs> of the, the humor in it um they, mark david chapman's not a hero i mean i don't care <laughs> he's a fucking weirdo <laughs> you know he he hated John Lennon since his childhood because <laughs> of uh, he hated his nose and his mouth proportions. <laughs> like you would look at the Sergeant Pepper's um, LP cover, <laughs> like just that's fucking awkward son of a bitch. Yeah, and get fucking angry at John Lennon. <laughs> uh, I feel the same way about Tilda Swinton. <laughs> that's wild. Tilda Swinton's dope. I just don't like the proportions of her face. It makes me angry. Makes really me. Though. She's just the funniest face I can think of. I would have gone with like Clint Howard. Oh, that's a good one. But Tilda Swinton, again, yeah, I didn't think Clint Howard. I thought Tilda Swinton. Yeah. 
Uh, Winona Ryder claims she has many favorite moments from the film. The one that usually comes to mind is when she's walking up the hill after seeing JD in the cow tipping scene. In the background, just barely visible, Heather McNamara is being date raped by one of the jocks. Ryder says the scene is so subversive and dark that once you notice it, you can't stop thinking about it. Which is correct. She's right mm, about that. I guess. Well, it's definitely burned into my mind now. <laughs> I don't know about burned into my mind. I'll forget about it when I go to sleep tonight. Uh, Danny Waters once again said in an interview, I did come with this crazy cockamamie Heathers too, where Veronica, Veronica becomes a page for a senator named Heather, played by Meryl Streep. The ending is her assassinating the president and getting away with it. And it's a good thing. Winona Ryder has heavily supported the idea for a sequel, but as of 2014, nothing has come out of it. Meryl Streep, huh? I'd like to see Meryl Streep get murdered in a movie. She ever died on so screen? I was like, Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of. I'm sorry. Some reviewers have discussed similarities between Heather's and The Massacre at Central High, a low-budget 1976 film. Oh. Screenwriter David Waters or Daniel Waters has stated that he has not seen Massacre at Central High at the time he wrote Heather's, but that he had read a review of it in Danny Perry's book Cult Movies, and that the earlier film may have been rattling around somewhere in my subconscious, which means he absolutely did see that movie and used it for inspiration for this movie. I don't buy that shit at all. I think he did see the movie and use it for inspiration. <laughs> well, I mean, J.K. Rowling has repeatedly said she doesn't has never read the uh, Book of Magic series by Neil Gaiman, but I find that hard to believe. She also says... Um, trans yeah, I don't need to talk about that shit. Unless trans you want women to. aren't real women. That's a whole so other podcast. Fuck J.K. Rowling. I don't give a fuck what she has to say. I don't believe any shit she says. Scottish bitch. <laughs> She's Scottish, right? Yeah. You got yeah. it. You nailed her. Nailed got it. Her. Mm. Yeah, take that. Yeah. Fucking tartan wearing asshole. <laughs> uh, 2010, Heathers was adapted into a stage musical. Uh, which I, the stage musical actually did pretty well. Um, it toured for a little while. People loved it. Got good reviews. Fun. Great job. You'll probably never see anything about it ever again because uh, fucking stage musicals, it's not like they get filmed or anything. And then they don't do phenomenally well like Hamilton. They don't get to run ever again. So, yeah, little cats where it runs for 900 years, even though it's fucking god awful. Yeah, which is the same thing will happen with Hamilton. Uh, that's kind of like all music. That's all theater. That reminds me. I gotta watch. I gotta watch Hamilton when it comes to Disney Plus. I've seen. The, I've read the book. So, I'm gonna see how the see how the movie. Comes. I don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've been reading about Lin Manuel Miranda and like how him and his father fucked over Puerto Rico. No, I'm sure everybody's fucked over. Everybody, Puerto Rico's like, it's been fucked over six ways from Sunday. Man, fuck that bitch. I see him in the streets. I'm slapping. <laughs> okay. The odds <laughs> of that are really low. You're really far away from him. Yeah, he just hangs out in gentrified New York, right? Him and the McElroy brothers. Oh, shit. Whatever. Uh, Heather's became a TV show in 2018. Oh, did it? Yeah, series was met with uh, negative response from critics, both upon the initial release of the pilot episode as well as the official premiere of the series. On the review aggregation website, Rotten Tomatoes, the series holds a 23% approval rating. Daniel Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter described the series as a pale imitation of the 1988 film and wanted to say that having the high school tyranny associated with a gang of students who, in a different era, might have been marginalized, produced, 
marginalized produces a dark and almost reactionary undercurrent in which the disenfranchised aren't being bullied, but rather are wielding identity politics and political correctness as weapons. So this show was made for TV land. And uh, I guess maybe they were thinking based off of the demographics for TV land, they should do a sort of, uh, you know, reactionary chud on the internet, anti-SJW type of TV show. So, well, it is TV land. I, I mean, does whatever. Lee Monson of Birth Movies Death was similarly negative, saying that she saw in the show's dynamics a longing for the good old days when non-whites and queers knew their place. <laughs> she concluded, Heather's is a hateful, bigoted exercise in regression, hiding behind the guise of dark comedy, and I can only hope it doesn't gain the Trumpian audience it so clearly craves. Did it? Uh, no, I do not believe so. I think uh, no one watched it. <laughs> so that seems like uh, some wild-ass bullshit. So I guess it's uh, emblematic of the uh, time period we live in where you can just take uh, a recognizable property and uh, hopefully get viewers based on just the, the property and the, the, the marketability of the property and then kind of write your own shit. Because um, the original Heathers doesn't really have much to do with um, exacting revenge on the already marginalized, you know. I, what I mean, I mean, it's I, really hard for me to like to, to honestly dig a real pathos out of of Heather's because well, Christian Slater's the driving force really behind it, and yeah. he's he's just like, oh, I'm a fucking Joker character. Well, no, the driving force behind it is Winona Ryder, and she just kind of gets in over her head with uh, Christian Slater. Well, I mean, maybe the first Heather, right? But after that, it's like she doesn't really want to be involved with any other shit. I don't know. Yeah, well, her thing is just she's like the lens we view high school through, and it's uh, to me it's like a relatable lens where it's like, yeah, these are just people you're around, and they're all kind of shitty. And sometimes you are just like, you know, could just fucking kill him. Obviously, you're not going to, right? But it's like, I don't want to be friends with these people. And I don't know, I get it. There's not, um, I don't think there's an extreme political pathology to the original Heathers. So it seems weird to me for them. Like, now we're going to turn it on its ear. What if actually the gays were mean to the straights? <laughs> oh. Because that's obviously only interesting to a very like narrow audience, right? Who the fuck wants to watch that? Um, I, you know, we got like red hats and uh, khakis. Yeah, no, it's, I want to watch gay shit. I want to watch fun gay shit. I want to watch shit where like, fucking, <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like, who the fuck does that appeal to? Like, I, don't I told, told you they have red hats and they got khakis, white polo shirts. But they're not gonna, still not gonna watch a show based off of this property. That's like, oh a, no, 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 this is none. This property does not appeal to them. They, they've yeah. made this mark here. It's like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, what was? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, you know what? I'm really gonna mix it up. I'm gonna mix it up with my Heather's TV series and really change the game, show the dynamics. This is, this fucking, this they won't. This is why I got banned from Twitch. <laughs> can't post on youtube anymore because goddamn sjw's yeah so that's just weird i don't know why that happened um i actually think heather's rules i like this movie a lot uh there's problems with the third act but like you said there's problems with every third act of every movie you watch except for maybe <laughs> like um road warrior 
just because the third act of Road Warriors, like a bunch of people die. It's Robocop. Robocop. Robocop's <laughs> fine, yeah. Robocop's good. Um, I really love the color motifs. Uh, cinematography's good. Acting is good. Everyone's really cute. I'm enjoying the looks. Like, usually I hate 80s style, and it's like, you know, in your face, like big 80s style. But yeah, big while, shoulder pads everywhere. While I was watching it, I was like, hmm, I wonder if the big hair will ever come back. Hmm, <laughs> I wonder if I can get a, a blazer with some shoulder pads on. <laughs> yeah, where can I get an oversized trench coat like JD? <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously big hair is still around for like the drag scene and stuff, but like, I, I want to see, I think it'd be interesting to see just, you know, regular ass women walking around with big hair. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. It sounds like a pain in the ass. Uh, yeah, you got to blow that shit out and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know for me, like I did not enjoy Heather as much as I thought I was going to going into it. Really? Um, yeah. Like the soundtrack is kind of like a, a mess. Um, the pacing for me didn't work. Like, I don't know. I fucking hate Christian Slater, so it's really hard for me to, to get into any movie with him. In it. I just tried to not think about him as Christian Slater because <clears throat> he was young enough in it where I was like, maybe I can pretend. He's definitely <laughs> better looking than he was in most of the movies I saw him in. You're so obsessed with Christian Slater's looks. That's not the thing I'm worried about. <laughs> That's just all I worry about with male actors, honestly, is like how handsome they look. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I can't get over him saying that. Yeah, this is the movie where I really tried to be Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Not any other movie though, just this one. <laughs> it's just so bold. It's like, what? Really? <laughs> you gonna say that shit? You gonna try to say that to everybody? I've seen your other movies, Christian Slater. I've yeah. seen seen so many of them. You're always just like being a little bit like Jack. Uh, yeah, well, you got one on me this time, old John Travolta. I'm gonna put this dollar bill under a rock. Mm-mm, this arrow's mm-mm, broken. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's pretty good. You don't. We can disagree. I don't think there's really a message to it. And it seems like a movie that should have, should take a stance on something. That's kind of, I guess, maybe that's why I don't like it. Yeah, it's but like, it, there's just nothing there. And but it kind of doesn't. It's kind of like, huh? Suicide, okay. And murder? Murder? I just like it because, you know. I mean, I'm sure still. it's probably supposed to be an allegory, but also at the same time, I, in 2020, it doesn't quite work anymore. Oh, yeah, the philosophy of the movie misses the mark. Similar to Repo Man last week. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, that's 80s for you. That's 80s for you. They can't all be fucking fear, um, Road Warrior. Sometimes they got to be Heathers. But uh, yeah. speaking of the formulating nature of modern filmmaking, uh, with regards to Heather and the teenage suicide rates. It's interesting that this movie got made in a time period where teenage suicide rates didn't seem to be that out of control, but there was obviously concern for the uh, voices and the interests of the younger generations in the 80s, right? Beyond Heather's, but even with John Hughes movies and shit, right? Oh, now people don't care. They want you yeah, to but shut up. I was thinking that seemingly now this would be a time where you might want to address those issues in art. You're not really seeing it in film. You are just getting escapism in art of all kinds. And why do you think that might be? Do you think it might be the infantilization of our culture? Mm, I don't know. I feel like there's a certain element where when, when things are going well, we tend to actually look more, we become more self-reflective. When things aren't going as well, we tend to, to become more, uh, escapist. Ah, that doesn't seem beneficial at all, though. 
No, I mean, I don't say it's beneficial. I'm just saying that seems to be how I like, you know what I mean? If you kind of look back at the history of cinema and movies and look at the, that's what my, that's kind of how I feel. But I was thinking it actually has a lot more to do with there not being a counterculture that exists in modern film because of all the, all the major leaps forward in film as an art and uh, looking inwards and uh, all the different uh, phases and renaissances and films have all been part of counterculture movement and the culture, like the French new wave and um, the uh, late sixties into the early eighties, really being part of the counterculture movement. That's really what brought us the American film as an art form rather than just a money-making scheme. And we kind of haven't had that since the matrix. Cause I feel like, cause we don't even have an anti-war movement since like the second W term. Right. Let alone like a regular, let alone like a regular counterculture. Like even the left on the internet has existed and stuff like that's not counterculture. All they talk about is mainstream bullshit. So, (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> well then we're gonna we're fucked <laughs> damn right I think we're fucked anyways but at least fucking someone makes some good movies about it damn <laughs> this Marvel shit I, I, the coronavirus has killed movie theaters you gotta help that like Netflix and Amazon start producing movies that's, that's the only hope like AMC's already like oh the Trolls movie made money online well we're not gonna show any more movies from DreamWorks <laughs> yeah I don't know I'm actually like I'm psyched to see what comes out of um, like what this. Do- I'm psyched to see what, what this does for film. Now that uh, like it, it's basically like studios are fucking at their wits' end and they have no idea what to do at this point. <laughs> so I, to see what I comes think we talked about this before, but I'm like ready for like some people to experiment with a little bit with like the format. Like uh, the Irishman did it. Going back to like the epics, so it's what I want to see to a certain extent, or at least you know one or two movies that maybe there's a movie and a sequel but they're like one part one and part two you know that kind of thing i don't know i'm um more thinking like um what are the different avenues for storytelling now like how can you turn like twitch your twitch stream into an avenue for long-form storytelling oh well i don't know radio shows i don't know i'm interested to see what comes out of what can be guaranteed can be produced independently consistently because hmm. just based on the numbers of like how much viewership of streaming has blown up during the quarantine so you're saying i should have kept streaming for the last two years instead of stopped yeah well you fucked us both the part of the this uh corona thing is it's become obvious that um a lot of jobs you don't need to go into work anymore right yeah, but I don't. I don't know that the. Well, it's not going to be a large one. Yeah, it's we'll not going to be like flipping change. a switch, but it is going to get there eventually. I think. I think they're going to see there's a cost benefit to it over like the next few years, especially when obviously we're going to have to keep quarantining because <laughs> we're going to keep fucking it up. Uh, man, I don't know. You want to talk about um, Arizona and what's <laughs> yeah, but um, so I think. I don't know, there's definitely seemingly an avenue where people are desperate to feel like they have some social connection and that's what streaming does even if it's completely detached which most streams are right 
that you feel like you're connected to someone. I think that's going to be a big thing in the next few years. I'm going to try, try to explain it. <laughs> Good, because no, I, uh, I need some cash. <laughs> I say I'm telling that's where that's where VHS cult's gonna take off. It's gonna be fucking everyone's so psyched to watch Joe Bob Briggs do last drive in Friday nights. Fuck that VHS cult Saturday nights. It's gonna be me, some Micheladas, some gin, and we're gonna watch fucking prom night or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are we watching next week? Oh, sticking with the sort of horrors of high school motifs and people with the last name Waters, we will be watching <laughs> a film made by my personal hero, John Waters. Hairspray. Oh, hairspray. I- I'm going to watch the John Travolta version, so uh, the, the, the 20... Fuck that shit. <laughs> it's fucking Eight Divine. Version? Divine is in the original no, no, version. No. That's I'm gonna watch that version because I I, I uh, saw that one in the movie theater. And it's the one of the only movies I've ever walked out of. Fucking the remake of Hairspray is basically a monolith to the taking of counterculture and turning it into the fucking performative liberal bullshit that is modern culture. It's <laughs> got no fucking edge or flavor to it. It's just like oh. Look, John Travolta and drag. Get it? No, no one fucking gets it. It was important when Divine did it. It doesn't make Who gives a fuck about John Travolta now, you stupid piece of shit? Goddamn culture, goddamn fucking America, you fucking piece of shit. VHS <laughs> gold. Fucking no one gets it. It's just me and Nick Cave and John Waters. I don't even know about Nick Cave anymore. It's me and John Waters. <laughs> Lloyd Kaufman, maybe. When's the next Toxic Avenger movie coming out? <laughs> uh, never. Um, Heather's is a good movie. I don't care what Sean says. <laughs> Everyone cares what I say. It's a good movie. Nah, that's not But she only wears blue. The other Heather no. wears red. That one's yellow and it's green. They're like Power Rangers. And, uh, one of us has a friend that was a friend when we were kids. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, Betty Finn. Well, she's named Veronica Sawyer. One of the commonalities between Sawyer and Finn. Oh, Ooh. and then also Betty and Veronica. <gasps> well, yeah, pop culture. Ooh. Yep, they used they used to sell those. Oh, uh, stay over Riverdale. Uh, <laughs> you took us on a ride there. I, I take you on a ride every episode of VHS Cult. It's me, you. I don't know. You ain't gotta love me because your girlfriend does. She. It's just cold. Yeah, yeah. Keep it G'd up. You want the heat? Oh, I'm Sean. That's Kyle. We don't ever interview ourselves. Go fuck yourself.